Welcome to the motherhood journey. I am so glad that you're here. This is a space where we allow the daily joys and the tough moments to shape us and build us into the beautiful and powerful women that God originally designed us to be. Let's walk this out, mamas. Let's enjoy the journey of motherhood and see it as the blessing that it is. Hello, champions. Welcome back to another episode of the motherhood journey podcast and also welcome to our second episode of the biblical womanhood series that we are doing um i've been getting awesome feedback about this series and i'm really thankful for that um do please let me know if um yeah if you're enjoying this or if you like it over on instagram at the underscore motherhood journey um on instagram because i love to be able to hear that and know if it's impacting people and um what god's doing is just truly such a blessing um today i'm diving into my last one of the new testament part um and then next week will be the old testament um but today i wanted to focus on the three marys so in last week's episode i did say i would touch ephesians 5 but then i realized i already chatted about that in the gender roles part one on this podcast and i thought it really doesn't match what the rest of this podcast is going for with analyzing the three Marys in the New Testament. So I thought I'd leave that out for you. If you're keen to hear that, I do talk about it and it's very applicable to my gender roles part one um, podcast episode. But I'm excited to talk to you guys about this. These are jam-packed. I could do one podcast on each one of these Marys. Um, I reckon they're awesome and really encouraged me and convicted me in lots of ways. I just want to grow in my faith and be doing these things. Um, I don't know if you like me, but even from the things I shared in the last podcast on this series um they've just continually popped in my mind and I love that and I want to dive so much deeper into really not allowing these biblical principles of womanhoodness to um bounce in and bounce out I want to be sucking on them and I want to be pressing into the things and areas that I'm not naturally functioning in because I think when we find something in the word we should go after it and renew our mind in it and let it go deep so hopefully this second podcast of the New Testament ones will um, do that for your mind also. Alrighty, this is probably going to be long, so grab a coffee or my biggest encouragement is do something while you're listening to this, driving, um, cleaning the house, whatever it is, um, going for a walk. But let's dive in and I hope, I really hope that this kind of stuff um, can bless you. Alrighty, let's dive into Mary, the mother of Jesus first because, you know, she's awesome. Um, it's tricky to know what to read to you guys because I think I'm going from Luke 1, um, starting from verse 26. And so we've got the, obviously the story of um, the angel visiting Mary, but then there's also the song that Mary does later from verse um, 46 onwards. Um, so beautiful. I think I won't read you guys the song because I don't want it to be too much reading, but I definitely encourage you um, when you're listening to this podcast and listening to the stories of the different women, um, whichever one stands out to you, I encourage you to go and read the passages around it and that passage and dive into it deeper because, as I said, I could do a whole podcast on each and I am truly just skimming the f- surface and I'm sure you would have your own personal revelations about these very popular passages um, and I hope just what I say could just boost or encourage you on because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying little bits, but I know that there could be so much more depth. So I'll read to you first um, just the birth, uh, not the birth story, the story of um, the angel approaching Mary because I feel like that's probably the main one um, that people focus on and then I can paraphrase the next. So if you do want to join me and you are having a whole night sesh doing this Bible study with me, woohoo, um, pause this podcast Um, Once you find your Bibles and you get to Luke 1, I'm going to start from verse 26. I'm going to read through to verse 38. Oops. 
Sorry, I just dropped my phone. Okay, so let's read. Um, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Goes on to um, Mary visiting Elizabeth, Mary's song, birth of um, John, Zachariah's prophecy. We've got, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) the birth of Jesus. Sorry, we have a real laugh over here. I'm like choked on a piece of coriander from my dinner. Okay, so let's dive into it. Let's break it apart a little bit. Um, How cool is this passage? Um, So some of the thoughts that popped into my mind. Firstly, I thought it was really interesting when I first read it, read it, read it, read it, that the angel says very clearly, she doesn't say, he doesn't say much. He just says, greetings, like happy, hello, welcome. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. What a wonderful greeting if an angel approached you and said that. Cool. But then it instantly says she is greatly troubled by this and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this was. Which I thought was really interesting and I think was, I don't know, it just popped into mind of a relatable thing of women. That sometimes we, as I've talked about so much in this podcast, can live in um, dramas or fantasies or make-believe understandings of things um, so based on our past and um, what we've experienced ourselves. And I think it's incredible that this um, angel like literally shared an identity over her and was like this is a joyful thing and I'm declaring that you are a favored one the Lord is with you but um she instantly was afraid and was trying to discern it and um I think it just kind of shows that where we've been and what we've believed and where our heart is at I guess will um allow us to discern things and I guess it was just a personal encouragement to me of like God has spoken so much in his word over me and even in personal prophecies or declarations or intimate times with him and um, I'm amazed at how often I can walk away from those things and allow the troubles of this world or um, my own frustrations over myself or my own sins to take me away from the identity that his word has already spoken or he has personally told me. Um, I think this was just a clear example of that, that the Lord was like so obvious with her. Um, and instantly she was just like, oh, I'm so afraid and troubled, like um, obviously in awe, but it wasn't just in awe. It was like she, like it, it went to town to say it two times that, this kind of disturbed her, this angel being in front of her, um, although there was so much goodness being declared. So anyway, that was an interesting um, perspective. Um, some of the things that I thought was really cool was um, that 
the angel clearly says to her, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because when you actually look at the actual birth of Jesus or even this, this um, particular time when she's getting pregnant as a virgin before getting married, um, this is a, a mind-blowing concept. Like imagine once the angel left and Mary's just left in her normal room being like, wait, what just happened like I would like I'm sure she would be like was that a dream is that real like what does this mean like this holy one from David and his rule will never end like massive like I know they had prophecies in the old testament that would have hopefully prepared her heart for that but um it's surreal and crazy and obviously no one expected um Jesus to come in the form of a baby um and I just find it really cool I think that the main thing that sticks out to me from this passage is that this angel has declared that she's a favored one from God right and like that she's blessed and she even sings and she's like my name will be will be like I don't know declared or known and I am blessed and um yeah everyone they will call me blessed from gener- from generations on um and yet if you think about her circumstances of how it would have affected her culturally um and in her family and in respect with the other women and her her place in the town and everything to have had a baby be put in her before she's even married um, and then her husband, as we know, goes on and thinks he's meant to quietly divorce her but then he doesn't because the angel stops him, which is so cool. Um, but then, even when she's giving birth to him, it's not even like there's all these crazy, amazing provisions. She literally has to move town when she's, what, like 39, 40 weeks pregnant and then, and like riding on a donkey... I assume it would have been. And then when she gets to the place to give birth, everyone's like, no, sorry, I'm not letting you in. I feel like, I don't know if you're like me, but I would be like, Lord, where is the favor? Like, I'm meant to be a blessed one. Like, does that mean everything's meant to work out for me? And like, and I meant to have all these amazing open doors and just this incredible favor and um, be provided for so beautifully because God is the provider. And I'm just so inspired by this passage because Is God true and faithful to his word in what he said? Yes. Is she so incredibly favored before him to be able to be the human in all time to hold the living God inside her womb and to bring him out? Oh my goodness, yes, we can all agree to that. But I think it kind of just breaks that box that we put God in and um, is a really great pillar of humility, I find for myself, um, to continue to be moving out of this place of entitlement and instead deep reverence and thankfulness for his truth living out in your life if you see it or it comes the way that you think it does or not. Because I'm sure Mary was provided for in all sorts of ways that's not written. But um, what we do see is hardship and struggle to be able to do such a holy act and I think it's so fitting and perfect for what Jesus represents and what his whole life was and that he truly was the servant of all and the first is last and I don't know to me I don't know if that is for you but it's just so mind-wracking breaking like I feel like I could just sit for a long time and be like Lord like what is your kingdom what is your love what is your way to truly be last and to truly be a servant of all but then in the same sense have victory in all things be a child of God be a co-heir with Christ like he speaks such deep identity and victory and purpose over us but then we live in this fallen world that we need to choose to see him in amongst the hardships and hold close to him amongst things that don't seem like they align with the word anyway I'm totally rambling right now but that was just um a big point I might have even discussed that on this podcast before I don't know but it just came to me again it was just so awesome um I think another few points was that I love that in those last few verses and then it dives into it with Mary's song is that 
it says even your relative um, who was barren is now pregnant and it says nothing is impossible with God and the she says behold I am the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word and then her song her prayer of praise um, afterwards is soaking in humility and I think each of those things beautifully um, come together to show um, the things we were even talking about in last week's podcast of the position of a woman um, and the beauty and power that there is to submit to something greater than ourselves and even here she goes behold I am your servant like whatever you say let it be onto my life um, rather than yeah needing requirements or being like, hey 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 no 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 I'm a virgin. I am young. I'm not married. Could you not have waited six more months for when I was married? Like she is just like in absolute awe and submission of the father. And I want that more in my life to have that submission from my husband. But deeply, I want that incredible submission to God, like to take him so beautifully seriously and find these nuggets that we're finding in the word and just be like, Lord, may it be onto me as you have said, like to not question or even go, hmm, I get that, but you know, that doesn't really work for my life right now. Like there is power and purpose in process. I'm all for the process and I'm all for an authentic faith. So please go that route. But also sometimes this heart hitting like, as it just may it be on to me as you have said, Lord, because you have said these clear, incredible things in your word. And I don't know, I just want to be humble and I want to remember his word in these times and just lower myself and be like, Lord, I might not understand and it might not even seem fair, but may it be onto me as you have said, because your way truly is the best way. And you are God of miracles and you're the God of the impossible. And when we walk your way, just incredible things happen, but maybe not how we think it will. So cool. So, um, yes, (laughs) they are my main points from that being a woman of surrender, faith and trust in God. Um, and yeah, having a heart where you will follow him if it's hard or if it's easy and we do it in humility and with a lot of praise because he is good. Alrighty, mummies, let's go on to our next Mary. So um, I'm going to be reading the story of Mary and Martha. This is from Luke 10 verses 38 to 42. Um, I don't know if this is the same Mary as Mary Magdalene, which I'm going to be doing next. I think it's not because when I googled it, I think the consensus was it's not. (laughs) But if you are more theological than me and you know the answer, then you can know what you're doing. But for now, I'm just going to say it's a different Mary. But of course, if it's if you think it's Mary Magdalene, then go ahead with um, that because probably more right than me. Um, But for now, let's read together um, Luke 10. This, of course, is such a famous verse for ladies. And I think it's really cool and powerful. When I was reading it, I was like, man, there's so much goodness in this. But then there's also so much in this that's kind of different to what um, I've been talking about with women with servanthood. I don't know. It's really interesting. So let's break it apart together. um, And I'll share my thoughts. um, And of course, let Holy Spirit keep bringing you yours and feel free to contact me and tell me yours as well because I would love to hear it. Um, All right, so open your Bibles. We've got Luke 10 verses 38 onwards. Um, Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
Um, I know there's also a passage that talks about Lazarus, Lazarus, Lazarus obviously dying and then they call for Jesus to come help and then Jesus arrives and he has also a few intimate moments with Mary and Martha in that. I'm not going to be reading from that today, but that would be another cool one if you want to dive into this deeper. From this passage, um, so we've got obviously the first point which talks about how Mary beautifully sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Um, and then we have the opposite, Martha was distracted with much serving. Um, I guess one of the points that firstly popped into my mind um, you know when Martha like says to Jesus, like pretty much like, Lord, do you not care? My sister is not helping me serve. Um, tell her to help me. Like it's very, um, I suppose, complaining and very comparing. Um, and something that I've been working on a lot as a woman is not having my judgment on others or particularly my husband, um, but doing my role well. So I am trying to move away from this like, equalness in our marriage which I know controversial up to what you think about that um in trying to for us to both be doing an equal part or a fair share um I really don't believe life is fair and I just um don't like our roles are so different and so complex and you could break apart a woman's role in how I get to stay in my jammies and watch movies all day if I want to compared to my husband having to work every day or you can say mine is unfair because I'm up all through the night and he gets to sleep all night long I have to always do dishes, but he, it doesn't fall on him. I don't know. You can pull everything apart and have your own personal conclusion that I hope is based for you on the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Such a tangent. But what I've been working on is breaking that perspective off of um, having a comparison perspective. I know um, we talk about it all the time of comparing ourselves between other women Um and yeah, we can be doing that and we can also be doing it towards our husbands. In this circumstance, Martha is comparing herself to her sister. Um, and rather than taking what she believed was her role, right, her role that she believed in that moment was to serve Jesus by making him food and cleaning and doing what I guess I promote so much in what it means to be a servant-hearted woman and tending to the home. Um, so... And that was what she, I suppose, saw as her way to love Jesus. But instead of just doing that really faithfully and seeing it as an act of worship and being joyful in that and being like, oh my gosh, Jesus is in my home, I get to make him a meal. Her plea or complaint um, is very understandable, but obviously incorrect of being like, um, can you not see I'm doing everything? Like I'm being loved. I am working right now. And she's not. And um, Martha obviously is functioning in a mentality of comparing. And we all know as women how dangerous this is. And I guess this is just a little encouragement to you and myself to not be judging others or comparing yourself to them. The word is so clear that how you judge others is how you'll be judged. And that we can often judge people that there's a plank, but there's like, you can't see the speck in your own eye. And I think the thing is that often... We don't know the heart of that other person and what's going on. We don't see the bigger picture, whereas Jesus did. And I think um, that's just an awesome reminder to never compare ourselves to other women or mums, which is so easy to do, or even compare our roles to our husbands or how another friend might get more help from their husband in a certain thing, but you don't. Whatever it might be for you, um, to continually ground yourself and remember that you are doing your work onto the Lord. Um, no one makes you do anything um, you choose to do it every day um, because you have love in your heart and you've decided to serve your family and serve the Lord faithfully. Um, and something I'm trying to do is just do my role well and concentrate on that, concentrate on having a happy heart through that and serving diligently and wholeheartedly rather than 
comparing or complaining about what other friends might have or my husband does or anything like that. And it's super important and powerful and I think it aligns with all the things we're discussing biblical women are. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really cool and interesting. So he says that one thing is necessary. Mary chose the good portion, or a good portion well. What does it say? Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not, which will not be taken away from her. Sorry, doesn't say well. I read that wrong. Which will not be taken away from her. I feel like this is so awesome. So when I broke this apart, because I was like, oh, this is so interesting, because Martha's obviously serving, which is what we know the role of women is. But then Mary is just sitting in God's presence, just soaking him up. And I was like, ah, I feel like what I, the power of this is that Jesus did not respond to Martha by being like, Martha, you're cooking meals and doing practical tasks. I don't want practical tasks. I want your heart and I want surrender and I want worship and presence. He didn't say that. Literally his line is, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, yes, I love that. Because he's not saying like what you're doing is wrong, that you're trying to do physical tasks for me. Because I think Jesus loves that. I think the whole body is meant to be working physically to support one another, obviously. And not just sit like in worship all day. But what we care about, as I always say on this podcast, is the heart. The heart. She was not just serving, but with a joyful heart. She was serving with anxiousness and with trouble. And... um. It's just an encouragement to each of us as we go about our days is um, are we cleaning and fussing over our children, fussing to get somewhere out of anxiousness? Sometimes, yes. Should we be doing that? No, let's not. Let's aim towards, as um, I talk about, just functioning from a place of rest and peace, getting our priorities right, getting back to the core of why we're doing things and what we're doing them for. Um, And be always tending, ten, tending to the garden of our heart, um, to be submitting to the Lord the things that make us anxious and to be functioning in a beautiful place that if we are going to be like Martha and doing the servant jobs, which I think there's obviously a place to do that, be watching our hearts to be doing it with joy, with gladness, with peace. Um, but then also what a beautiful encouragement that God literally says there's only one thing that's necessary. Like even if you don't do all the tasks that it may seem is on your plate as a woman. If you are truly, truly surrendering to God and worshiping him and spending time in his presence, like obviously you have to do tasks if you have children, you can't neglect that. But in that holistic realm of just understanding womanhood in Jesus, like that is truly, truly what is necessary. And then he will obviously birth in you a desire to do those tasks with joy. Um, But it was just such an encouragement to me of like, what am I pouring my priorities in and my time in as a mom? Is it to clean the house, which is needed? But like, is that my priority? I think sometimes I, I love because I'm more messy naturally and then I'm like, oh, Dan and I should be more clean. And although there's such a place to steward your home well and to clean and make things functional and organized, I love that. But I'm also like, I want my everyday to be my priority of like, how am I stewarding my children in raising them in the Lord? How am I representing the Lord myself and teaching his ways in all circumstances? And I don't know, I'm just so encouraged to be a mom who spends time with the Lord. It is so not easy. Like even this last week or two, I've found it really hard because the only time I can spend with the Lord is 5 a.m. And because of daylight savings now, it's like literally pitch black at five till six. Like the sun only starts coming out at six. So I've been finding it so hard to wake up with Kaya through the night earlier. And I haven't this last week. And I'm like convicted even reading all this. I'm like, nope, tomorrow I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to set an alarm and I'm going to do it because um, I just 
I want to be a woman that is giving time to him. And like Mary sat and listened and was in his presence. And it's so easy to just be so busy all day. Like literally at the end of the day, I was like, oh, hello, Lord. Like I had a super hard day trying to potty train my son. And I feel like I was crazily running around doing things. Hi, I love you. Can I just sit and worship you for a little bit? Because I miss you and then I like sang a few lines of a song while I put together my daughter's puzzle and then I got yelled in to go help my kids again for bed and um even honestly guys if it's one minute like I was going to do an Instagram post this week of like me doing my god time because now that I'm not waking up early I've been doing it after breakfast each day or in the kids rest time which sometimes is non-existent trying to like do it while all of my children are surrounding me and like although not ideal I'd rather do that than not be doing it and I'd rather do it for five minutes or less than that, then not do it. Sometimes when I'm with my kids and I need to read the word, I literally read it out loud because if I read it quietly, they'll just be like, ram, and need something from me. But if I'm reading it out loud, I love that because it's like speaking the scripture over them. But also they're like, okay, she's doing something. She's reading something. Um, it's my only way to get through like a few verses. Um, but yes, a pursuit to not, again, align to the countercultural perspective that we are so time poor as mums. Yes, it may be a physical reality, but does that stop us from living out the true gospel of what it means to be a woman? No. What did we read in the passage before? Nothing is impossible with God. He cares so much about us doing the one thing that is necessary as women, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to give him time to listen to him, whatever that may mean to you. It may mean listening to something while you drive somewhere with your kids. It might be putting a podcast in when you do dishes. It might be waking up early. Whatever it is, let's all in our own way strive together to spend time with the Lord. Oh my goodness, sorry for my rant. Alrighty, on to our last mom, which is Mary Magdalene, which we will be reading. Um, there's a little bit in Luke 8, which just talks about um, how she's part of the women that walk with Jesus and she was delivered from the seven demons. Um, but then there's also in Luke 7, we have talking about her um, washing the feet of Jesus with her tears and pouring the perfume. It's so beautiful. And I want to read that one to you. Um, and then we'll also talk about her at the tomb because she's awesome and she pops up a lot. I'm just trying to find this. So we've got Luke 7 verse 36 to 50. If you want to pause this and get your Bibles. Okay. It's a sinful woman forgiven. Ah, what a funny title. She's like literally the most beautiful woman in the whole Bible. But yet she's a sinful woman. But you're about to read with me how God sees sin and forgiveness and love. And it's just so beautiful. Okay. Let's read it together and enjoy this superly incredible passage all right luke 7 verse 36 one of the pharisees asked him to eat eat with him and he went into the pharisee's house and reclined at table and behold a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at table so funny it says at table there's no the anyway getting distracted he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. 
Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he cancelled the largest debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. He gave me no kisses, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So hopefully you're blessed by that beautiful passage. I feel like when I was reading it, I was like, this passage is ridiculous. Like if you literally think of this scenario actually playing out in real life, that Jesus goes into a holy man's house and then this, like classified as a sinner, like this woman who's a prostitute and has been known to have demons in her, comes in, I hope this is Mary Magdalene, maybe it's a different Mary, I don't know, again, theological people, it doesn't really matter what I call it. She's, she's a woman called Mary. And she literally goes in to a dinner party that she's not invited to, then stands behind Jesus weeping, then pours her, like her tears cover his feet. And then she dries it with her hair, which I suppose would be a big thing culturally then because, you know, the passage where Jesus cleans the feet and none of the disciples want to do it because it's like the lowest job that a servant does. So then she's doing this and she's kissing his feet which like in those days were so, so dirty. That's why had to, they had to be washed by servants when they came in because of the streets of those days. And And I just feel like you can see, um, as I'm explaining here, and we've just read, like, that um, this scene was quite hectic for what went on. And it just, I think, really rips apart um, just the fakeness and the instant gratification and the unwillingness for people these days, including myself, to be so uncomfortable, to be so vulnerable, to, um, yeah, just actually surrender everything to Jesus and allow yourself to weep and be snotty and gross and broken in your heart before him because of like the seriousness he he is like I feel like our culture because of how we function and we believe and what we watch and we're numbing so much that we've kind of lost the ability to truly connect with ourselves our inner voice our emotions to allow ourselves to bring things to the surface process them heal them all those things that are just absolutely needed when we find Jesus and allow him to come into each new layer and each new room of our heart and I think that this Mary whoever she is has beautifully shown um what this means to weep and to clean his feet and to put her oil over him and to display such a beautifully raw and vulnerable time, which I feel like if I was her, I'd be like embarrassed to disturb Jesus like that. But again, that just shows my ways of just like not truly understanding who Jesus is and how deeply he just wants realness and love and connection. It's like super empowering to me. Um, the other thing I just really got from it was that he goes into how like 
when you've sinned much, you, you can be forgiven much and then you love much. And um, how powerful it is to truly be a broken, sinful person to be forgiven rather than maybe let's say growing up your whole life in religion, thinking you're pretty good and then be forgiven. I know that's something I've struggled with being in, in uh, being a Christian my whole life, wanting that deeper breakdown um, that God is growing in me so much. And even this year from before Kai's birth that I've sh- shared in his birth story, of how God like broke me for the first time in my life being like I am literally nothing I am terrible without Christ like I am a terrible person if you remove him from my life rather than I'm a pretty good person still like thank you Lord like he just needed to strip that from me and to this day me and my husband are like harping on this tune like this is our thing right now that we are like we are nothing without Jesus and it is actually so needed and I think it's just inspiring sometimes because we can focus a lot on sin or feel really guilty with sin and I think God in a lot of ways is like sin I can deal with sin can be forgiven healed redeemed worked on but something that is hard and that we want to be far away from and break off in our life is pride religious thinking self-righteousness that is where the enemy can just get in and get these incredible strongholds and in that place we reject because we're not humble anymore he uplifts a humble heart. He works and moves in a humble heart. But when we're prideful, we're actually saying no to him. And that is just not a place we want to be. And I think this Mary, if anything, is an incredible display of the humility that we want to be walking out as women. Um, the last passage, which I won't read, is John 20 um, verses. I think I've got here 11 to 18, but my writing's a bit funny. Um, and this just talks about Mary being at the tomb, weeping, and then seeing a gardener, thinking it's Jesus. And I mean, not knowing it's Jesus. And then he says, Mary, and, and she's like, <gasps> and then she clings to him. And he's like, you need to let go of me. I've, I've got somewhere I need to be. Go tell everyone I'm here. Um, again, a beautiful passage. And I think it just shows the heart of Mary, how she was like, I'm going to go that extra mile, give my whole self, be standing there, be the last one, be the one who follows you. Like, she gives her all to him and clings to him and is so intimate with him. And I think it's such an encouragement that we all can have that, like that Jesus can be our bestest, closest friend, the one who fulfills every need, who can truly be a lover and a comfort and a supporter when we can't and shouldn't even try and find fulfillment of that in, in people in our life. Um, she's beautiful and she magnifies beautifully what I think God sees as that gentle spirit when we remove pride and we are humble and we are vulnerable and we are feminine and we are beautiful and we serve and we give ourselves completely with such a pure earnest heart anyhow I'm going to finish up this podcast because that is truly enough Um, and I hope that you guys will join me next week for my first of the two Old Testament passages which is like very intimidating to me because there's so many women I can talk about but I'll do my best. Um, I'm going to pray for you mummers now and um, I hope that you can be blessed in your journey of pursuing Christ in womanhood as I very much am. I need him so much. I need him. I need him every hour. I need him every second because without him, it's not a good, it's not a good thing. Alrighty. Um, Jesus, we need you so much and we just come to you right now in earnestness of our brokenness and I praise you Lord that each woman in this study is broken and has stuffed up in all sorts of different ways or is unsure or confused and you just use us anyway and I thank you for that Lord you just don't you don't just use us you love us you cherish us and you honor us you love women you love this part of yourself that you have created I thank you for the power and beauty and strength of womanhood Um, I pray you would convict each one of us more how that truly authentically looks 
I praise you, Lord, that you are so for us and that when we can function in this role of humility, I think a lot of things can break off and a lot of goodness from you can shine. So we just give you our hearts and we pray that you would help us to be vulnerable, raw and just extravagant in our love towards you so that we may build up and grow families and children, communities, womanhood in a way that truly represents you. No pride in ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you enjoyed tuning in today, subscribe here and connect with me over on Instagram where you can DM me or find my email as I'd love to connect deeper and pray with you.